all-star edition of One Cardinal, One Cub, and One Beer. Yes, we're recording a day early, and we're recording earlier in the afternoon so we can enjoy the all-star game tonight yes. because we have one Cub in the all-star game. We have three that were elected, and Stroman decided he was going to sit out. Um, Swanson has a uh, is on the IL, so he's not going to be there. So Justin still, who should be the starter, but isn't. He's going to be there. And uh, so uh, I, I will watch the game. Um, I just wish I would have saw a little more of the Cubs in that. JJ, are you going to watch the game tonight? Oh, definitely. Oh, that's that. surprising. Yeah. Uh, Arenado, he's our one Cardinal. And, you know, by law, you have to have one guy on your team. Well, he's yeah. our guy, and he's deserving, and he is starting. And he's batting fifth for the National League. And Vince, I don't know about you, but as a kid, when they announced, when they all have the team come out and they announce your team's guys, I get a little excited. I mean, that's our boys right there, you know? So yeah. every year, that it, it, that's kind of a fun time right there. Yeah. Did, did you watch a home run derby? No, I didn't. I was exhausted last night, had some chores. I did read about it. Uh, what what'd you think about it? I, I liked it. Um, I I thought that it was, oh gosh, uh, I, I wanted a Rosarina to win. Um, who doesn't like the guy? That's you right. Know. He's adorable. Um, but uh, Guerrero was fine. Um, three Cubans. That, that was really cool. Three cu Cubans in the uh, home run derby. Um, I did get up this morning and read that somebody commented, you know, I want to go back to the days where, you know, there was no, timer and you know you, you after you had 10 that didn't go out you were done with and they just counted the ones that went out and I, yeah but do you remember that, that the home run derby would last until like 11 30 midnight did they yeah. they have to do it this way to keep it going and to get it done within three hours so uh i thought it was really cool before, before i forget let me uh uh remind you all to like us on facebook follow us on twitter and uh, I don't know if I'll do one of those thread things, uh, I, uh, the new thing. Everything's new. You know, I come up with a new thing all the time. So I'll, I'll look into threads. Uh, contact us through one card, one cup, one beer at gmail.com. You can su subscribe to our page. Those of you who are on Mac or PC by clicking on the icon at the bottom of the screen. Or if you're watching this, even on your TV and you get to the end of when you get to the if you get when you get to the end of the uh, show, uh, you can just click the little icon even on your TV and you can subscribe to us. Uh, you can support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com and search for one card, one one card and one cup, one beer, one card and one cup and one beer. Patreon and you can support us. You can start at three dollars a month. Let's get real. What can you buy for three dollars a month? A house? No. A car? No. A membership that's about the only thing you can support for three dollars a month so jj uh we're at the halfway point i think it's a little past the halfway point let's let's just kind of look at you know what happened with our teams so oh, i'll let you go first expectations you know if you told me our record if i had with rip van winkled it fell asleep on opening day woke up and i heard our what our record was i was like what the heck went wrong I would have never thought that. Right now, the Cardinals are uh, uh, 38 and 52. Um, I thought maybe at worst 500. 
but 38 and 52. Um, you know, when my grandkid, when I'm old and gray or older and grayer, and my grandkids say, Grandpa, tell us about 2023. I'm like, oh, uh, it's a it's an R-rated disaster. I I'll use words that you kids aren't ready for. It's been so <laughs> it's been a myriad of losses that I didn't even see coming. Vince, you had to see this. The last last time we taped our 41st episode, by the way, this is 42. Um, everybody was saying, yay. Everybody was saying, oh, the Cardinals are down five to nothing. So when the podcast was over, I went out. I was getting me something to eat. I turned on the TV and we're up nine to eight. I was like, oh, what a comeback. This is going to be a great story. Maybe this is the moment where it all turns around. Hicks comes in and I'll really, I'll never forget this game. This is like, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> Brummer stealing home plate or Kevin Mitchell running over and catching that foul ball barehanded. It's just one of those moments where Ozzy throwing the ball behind his uh, back. Hicks is in, he's throwing 103 miles an hour, walks the first guy. That's always a bad sign. The next guy gets a fair hit, strikes out the next guy with one out, two strikes on the battery, hits it back to Hicks. All right, it's going to be second, and we'll have two outs and all that. No, he throws the ball over to first base, and it goes all the way in the outfield, and two runners score. And uh, I've never gotten over it yet, Vince. It's one of those losses. I, I'm carrying it with me to this day. I, I can't get over it. Uh, Hicks is probably go ahead. I'm sorry. I you you will see left-handers do that occasionally because for some reason left-handers there seems to have to be a lot of moving parts to throw the ball to first base. I mean, uh, John Lester never could do it. He if if the ball was hit to him, Lester always sprinted to first and threw underhand to the first baseman, or um, Later in his career, they would do the Jordan to Pippen, or the Pippen to Jordan, they they called it. Uh, instead of throwing it to first, he would throw it to the ground and have it bounce to first. That was the only way he could get a true throw to first. So you see left-handers who get the yips yeah. all the time. You generally don't see it with a right-hand pitcher. Usually, you know, it's a pretty standard throw. And I, I don't know what he was throwing to you know besides maybe a 30-foot first baseman or something like that but what I found fascinating and I know Cardinal fans are not used to this and he got some backlash for it some of the Cardinal fans loved him for it but Chip Carey channeled his inner Harry and he he was disappointed oh he he was disappointed in in the team and their performance there was a little bit of embarrassment that came through his voice. And then the next day when I'm reading about it, there are some people like, you know, hey, that's not the cardinal way to announce a game, you know, you know positivity and stuff like that. I thought, do you know who his grandpa was? You know, <laughs> um, uh, Harry would drive ball players out of town if he thought they weren't hustling. I mean, Harry was brutal. Oh. And uh, in comparison with Chip basically – and it was it was more of his tone and demeanor than his words. It I thought, thank God, he this is this is genuine disappointment. I came here, I'm gonna finish off my career where my grandfather started. I'm going to this great organization that's got a history of winning, and I'm watching a shit show. And that's what came through in his voice. Oh, I'm sorry, we're a family voice. 
and he was watching a manure show. Okay, there we go. <laughs> well, uh, you know, on the radio, uh, and Harry, he did TV as well, but he he was on the radio. Jack Buck would be real clever when he was really undressing a player or giving him some stuff. Mike Shannon, by the seventh inning, he would just, he'd tell you like it was as well. Um, so I have no problem with it. And, you, you know, that's just the way it's been. The whole team worked their butts off to come back. Walker got a home run. We got some timely hits. The pitch, the middle relievers did a great job. And then that happened. But that's just been, I'm not putting it on Hicks. I mean, he played Little League. He's made that play 100 times. If he had that 1,000 times, I'm sure he'd make it 998 times. But what, right then, it just didn't happen. It's just a, a, and, been a reflection of the whole season for us. And the look on his face was like. Well, he was dejected. He, he, he put almost, his hat down. How, how did I do that? I, I can't possibly do that. It w- it may have been better if I would have just picked the ball up and threw it towards third. It would have been, you know, he he just looked. It, he it made a just, great catch. He made a great catch to get it. It was a fast hit right back to him. The only thing that could have made that worse is if it was in the World Series. And I think a poor Bill Buckner, who was an incredible player, and a large majority of the fans would just remember that ball going through his legs. But Bill Buckner has... Uh, you know, he's a, an incredible player. I would love to have his career. And Hicks, he'll get over it. Maybe we'll learn from it. The Cardinals have been a little bit playing a little bit, bit better ball, but it just seems like one piece of the puzzle falls apart and we've lost. Um, well, it, it's a bad season and it's just, it's going to get buried in the bad season. If it would have came at the beginning of the season, it would have been a statement uh, play like, wow, we're, we're in for a rough haul. Would have been at the end if you were in it, then it would have been, oh my gosh, we may have blown it because of this. Coming in the middle of a season, in a season that is a lost cause, I shouldn't say it's a lost cause. There's there's still games left, but you know, um, it, it's well, not looking so good. No, and but there's been up. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of players I love. I I know there's going to be some changes coming. Uh, and what I like about what Ollie did, because he's had a lot of criticism and deservedly so this year, but he put him right back out there. And I was like, that's what you got to do. You believe if you believe in that guy. All right. You failed that time, but we're going back out there. It's baseball. A hitter, a good hitter fails seven times out of 10. Go back out there. And he succeeded the next time. And um, I like that. I mean, we really don't have much to lose. We're, we're 12 games under 500. Or 14 games under 500, so we didn't really have much to lose. But I like that he put him right back out there and put him in the in the fire because I believe Hicks is a good a good guy to have on the team. I don't know if he's the closer. Helsley had a great year last year. This year he's just been mortal. He's just been okay. Uh, and Gallegos has been up and down all year. And then Cabrera, I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, and there are big four at the end of the thing. And they but again our pitchers haven't been good either. So so that's basically how I kind of sum it up uh, this year, Vince, it's been just ups and downs from the front office uh, in the wintertime, maybe not making the right moves. I believe in them. We've had 15 winning years in the, uh, consecutively. I thought maybe there was something in the minor leagues or something brewing, but uh, so far it really hasn't, nothing's really shown that we've had uh, uh, Ollie and some of the decisions he's made. And I'm sure that's coming from upstairs from Mosaic as well. Um, O'Neal, the controversy with O'Neal, 
wisdom being sent down right now it looks like maybe that was a good maybe that was a good thing at the time uh because he's really uh doing well and the all the Contreras stuff that's going on as well we've had some injuries this year but every team goes through injuries that's no excuse um we had high expectations sometimes if you had a bad year and you were expected to be just a so-so team it ain't so bad but when you have playoff everybody's predicting you to be first or second and you're in last uh it just kind of shines brighter like the padres spent all that money and went and got all that talent the mets us it's just been a, a devastating year um, baseball is a young person's sport now it's a young man's sport the teams the older teams in baseball are all struggling uh the mets the padres uh they're older teams and um the younger teams that are more athletic and i think this rule changes that has that has really tilted from not completely from power to speed, but it's 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 kind of evening the playing field. You you see teams that run like the Reds, like the Marlins, coming out of nowhere, and suddenly they're contenders um, because they're the, young. The Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks as well. Yeah, they're 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 a great running team. So it it's it's you know with the rules change, there may be a paradigm shift in baseball to where I'm not saying we're going to go back to the eighties with the artificial turf and 300 stolen bases, but the running game certainly is a much bigger part of the game. I used to watch I, just last year, you'd watch, you know, a guy on first base pitcher, never throw over. Uh, didn't have to, no one's running. And You're this right. year you got to, yeah, I think Cody Bellinger's got 10 stolen bases for us. And, you know, he's, wow. He's missed 40 games, you know, 30, 40 games. So it's it's a different different ball game. Um, you see catcher stealing now. So Contreras, I mean, has, Contreras has a few stolen bases for us. Yeah, yeah he's he, he can run. He doesn't have the legs it, of a catcher. It shocks me because we had Yachty for so long, I forgot a catcher could actually run. Because Yachty, I think I could beat Yachty from home to first base. I think I could beat him in a fair, a fair dash to first base. Now, let me ask you this. I know Hicks is uh, eligible for free agency. Montgomery, his contract is is coming up. Are they showcasing Hicks to trade him at the deadline? Are they going to trade Montgomery at the deadline? Uh, do they have any others? I think they've, they've got one other that's uh, uh, I can't remember well, now. Flaherty. Flaherty's the Flaherty, other. Flaherty, yeah. Um. Do you think we're going to see two of those three gone? I do. I think they're shopping around, but like Mosellock, last year he pulled Montgomery. I don't know where he wasn't even on the table and Bader went up there and we got Montgomery. And I still think we got the better end of that deal. Uh, Bader was in a, he was in a cast. His foot was in a, a brace when we sent him up there and he didn't play. Now in the, in the playoffs, he ran wild and ever the Yankees are just kind of concentrating on that playoff, uh, the thing he did but overall Montgomery I think we got the better end of that trade I think Montgomery's age good this year he's, he's been the best pitcher this year yeah and uh Montgomery's eight he's so he's a free agent at the end of the year and his agent is Scott Boris and the Cardinals are notorious for not usually working with Scott Boris because you know I don't know I think Montgomery's probably like an 18 million dollar pitcher a year which is you know not my money but I think Boris will try to and he's great. Boris is great at what he does. He gets his players paid. 
but I think he's going to get him more like a 2830 or something like that. Somebody will be willing to pay that. So I say we will probably try to make some deals. I could see even Goldschmidt going because he's got one year left on his contract. The Phillies need a first baseman. And if we could get a couple pitching prospects, you know, you could use Wisdom at first or Luca Baker or uh, I don't know, maybe even Gorman. I don't know. And I could see some of the young guys uh, going. The uh, There's big talk about Seattle has an excess of pitching and they need hitting. And I could see maybe a new bar or a Donovan or an Edmund or a Gorman going up there. And they've got a kid I really like named uh, Logan Gilbert, I believe it is. And uh, that would be a really good pickup for someone of that caliber because Seattle's got a lot of good young pitchers on their team. So I could see one of our guys going up there and Flaherty. I'll be honest with you, he's six and five and he's pitched good of late. But I think he wants to go free agent and make the big, big bucks. So I could see him maybe coming back one more year and trying to have that big year before he goes free agent next year. I, I could see that happening. I, I could see that happening, too. I could also see him taking a one-year deal somewhere to get out of St. Louis where he's not the most popular player around. No, he's not. Um, take a pillow contract somewhere and try to build his value that way. Um, I I could actually see a scenario where the Cardinals trade within the division because with pitching being at such a premium and the Reds having a shot that they just don't have every year and the Reds having a plethora of, of, of minor league talent, I could see the Cardinals and the Reds swinging a trade for, for Montgomery down the stretch. Um, I don't think that the Reds uh, maybe – Jordan Hicks would be of their interest. Maybe Flaherty would be of their interest. But I think Montgomery, you know, because the Reds probably understand this is just going to be a rental. We might as well get the rental piece that's going to eat up the most innings that's going to be effective. And that would that would be Montgomery. So oh, that, yeah. that would surprise me. Um, I, I think the Reds are going to come. Yeah, and I'll get into this in a minute. It's going to depend on what happens before the trade line deadline with the Cubs. But I can see the Reds, you know, if the Cubs are looking like they're going to have to sell. Um, I could see the Reds coming to them for a Strowman, uh, saying, "Hey, oh yeah, uh, we we got we got some talent here. We want to make a run. What's it going to take to get Marcus Strowman? And you know, because because it, it's it's probably going to be a rental. And I think Cincinnati they're very self aware of who they are, what they are, and that uh, let's let's face it, Cincinnati." Uh, which was uh, a, a great organization and a highly thought of uh, organization for years and years and years. The past, I'd say, ten years, they've kind of lost that luster. They're they're kind of just another team. And, and Vince, me and you are Cub uh, Cub Cardinal fans, but I want to see Cincinnati it be revitalized, like Pittsburgh. Uh, it seems like they're starting to get going again. There was a little downtime for them. The Tigers right now. Some of these teams that have, are great cities for baseball come back and at least have a, a playoff shot and have that fan base really excited again. Seattle last year when they made the playoffs, Seattle, when they're winning, that's a great baseball city and they really get behind their team. So with Cincinnati, I, I want to beat them every time I play them, but I'd like to see that team be successful and at least make the playoffs or something every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, going into the break, uh, the Cubs actually we we went three and two. We uh, uh, last Wednesday night we we lost to Milwaukee 
and then uh, we won Thursday. So we were one and one against Milwaukee last since our last broadcast. That split the series, the four game series, two to two. And then we went to New York and uh, we had a two two to one uh, series uh, victory over the Yankees. The only thing I do want to highlight is Friday night, uh, Jamison Tyone, who has been terrible. And I don't mean bad, I mean terrible. He eight innings. I think he gave up one or two hits, uh, shutout ball. And this is what we thought we got. The guy has six pitches and usually has control, and he just hasn't had he, – he can't get all of his pitches working. And he's had control problems this year, and I think major. He's not doing the, you know, Steve Blast thing where he's throwing the ball over the fence, but he is having for, – for what he is, it's been control problems. Everything was working uh, against New York. It was a beautiful thing. And if he's back on track, that is going to be a big boost for us in the second half. Drew Smiley has kind of hit a thunk. And I'd like to see Drew Smiley uh, um, kind of rebound, but uh, he's he's kind of hit a thunk. Um, Kyle Hendricks, uh, he pitched another great game. He's been great his last five, six games. Um, the problem was he pitched in New York, gave up two home runs. It would not have been home runs at any other ballpark. Right field? One, one and left, one oh. left center, one right center. And it's like Suzuki hit a home run. Uh, I think it was Sunday's game. And, you know, I'm, I, well, there's a flout. Oh, no, it's in the second row. It's like, it, they should have a standard to say you have to have at least this far. At least, yeah. Be I can see if it's an old stadium, but you built a brand new stadium. You know, three thirty down the lines I think is is fair. I think you know three seventy five minimum in the alleys and four hundred center field. That that should be. I like the it. minimum. You so, got my vote for commissioner. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, one thing I am excited about Sunday, I was watching the game Sunday and we won and it, it just, we wasn't playing good. It's like, Oh, all the optics was telling me we're losing, but then I would see the score. Oh yeah, we're winning. Um, we, we, uh, we were down and we scored uh, three runs in the eighth and three runs in the ninth. And the Yankees gave us the game. Thank you very much. Um, so it was nice to have one going into the all-star break. Uh, so right now we're 42 and 47, five under, um, which I guess I can live with because with all the ups and downs, when I look back at our schedule, gosh, it has been a very tough first half, maybe one of the toughest first half schedules in Major League Baseball. We're seven games in back of the Reds who are in first place. Uh, we're, uh, I think, five games in back of the uh, Brewers who are in third place. Uh, we're six and a half games back on the wild card. I got a fly in here that's bothering me. Um, six and a half games back on the wild cards. Uh, but we are the only team in the division that has a positive run differential. I saw that. Yeah. Plus 26. Everybody else is negative. So our expected one loss is is the opposite of our record. It's 47 and 42. And if everybody had their expected one loss based upon their performance this year, we'd be in first place. So there's a lot to hang our hats on that we're not as bad as the 42 and 47. We've had a just had a brutal schedule. Um, this is what we've got coming up before the trade deadline. We have Boston at home for threes. Boston's the last place team. Now they are above 500 because they play in that. Tough division. East, yeah. 
Then we have Washington at home for three. Then we have the Cards at home for four. Then we have, we go to the South side, we play the Sox for two, White Sox. And then we go to St. Louis for four. Me and Kathy will be at one of those games. All right. And July uh, 31st, the day before the trade, line, uh, trade deadline, Cincinnati comes to town. So we'll have one game against Cincinnati. So we've got 17 games um, before the trade deadline. And the way I look at it, we need to have 11 wins, minimum. If we go 10 and 7 in this stretch, um, I don't think that's good enough. We have to have 11 wins to pull us into position to where we can make a, a push in August and September. Um, if we are 500, if we're like uh, 9 and 8, 8 and 9, 7, 10, something like that, I think then we're looking to sell. And um, I don't mean a wholesale. I don't mean a fire sell like we've done last year. What are you doing? In, <laughs> get off my microphone. So anyway, uh, I, I think we'd be looking to sell if we, if we, and when I say looking to sell, I'm saying Stroman's going to be gone because we've already decided we're not going to offer him an extension. So he's going to be out the door and he's going to make a lot of money. He's been um, a good cub. He's been a good cub while he's been there. He's yeah, been very good. Uh, I think Bellinger is going to be out the door because he's on that pillow contract. Uh, someone's going to pay him an exorbitant amount of money. His OPS is near 900. Um, he, he's, I think he just came off the 13 game hitting streak. He's, he's, he's his old self. He's not displayed the power, but you got to look that, you know, he battled injury. He, he missed 30, 35 games. And, um, then when he came back, he came back a little early and played first base so it wouldn't put strain on his body. So he's just getting back to, to where he's Cody Bellinger. So uh, look, I'd look to see him gone. And uh, possibly even Kyle Hendricks. Uh, his stock is as high as it's going to get right now. And with pitching being at a premium, everybody's wanting pitching. Yeah. That's one thing we do have is starting pitching. And we've uh, got talent um, on the way up. I still think Wisniewski is someone who could be a solid 3-4 starter. Ben Brown is not having a good year at AAA, but I I I like his stuff. I think he can put it together and, and be uh, number one or number two. Uh, Caleb, Caleb Killian, um, his stock has, has dropped a lot, uh, but at one time he was a highly thought of prospect. And Kate Horton uh, is in double A now, and and he seems to be progressing nicely, and he's kind of on the fast track. So I like what we've got coming up. If we are sellers, it's not going to bother me because I know Stroman's going to be gone anyway, and uh, Bellinger's going to be gone anyway. And Hendricks, I, you know, if he finishes out the year with us, maybe we re-sign him. Uh, it'd be nice. Uh, but maybe we, we don't. I don't know. So... Anyway, uh, I, I, there's a lot of baseball left, and I hope we don't let down and kind of have this, well, now we've got the weaker part of the schedule and then we just completely fall apart. Last year, when we had our, our really hot, like the second week of August on, when we were, we were a very good team, 
people are saying, yeah, but you're playing the Reds and the Pirates. Yeah, we also swept the Mets. Uh, we also, I think we swept the Padres too. We we played good teams the second half, and we were successful against them. So. I I, uh, I seen a little crawler at the end on the bottom of the MLB channel when Talion had that great start, and I thought of you because it he was it didn't look good, and we were I, talking about Wayne Wright Talion. Yeah, and I thought, hey, Vince should be, hey, he's, maybe he's on a, the upswing there. And uh, I do think the Cubs are on the upswing. I uh, I think they're competitive this year. Things could happen, and they get in there and, and do something. But I, with all this talent coming, I think they're on an upswing. So my question for you is, when you guys won in 2016, I believe, and there was that year you kind of got rid of all the talent there at the trading deadline, you wish they had do you like the way that happened now? Not looking back at it. I I didn't mind the the tr- the, the wholesale trading and I'll I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, hindsight's 2020. Yes. But those guys were trending down. And that team got stale quick. In 2015, they were really good. They made the uh National League Division Championship Series, uh, lost uh, to the Mets. 2016 won it all. 2017, they made it to the Championship Series and lost to, is that the Nationals they lost to? Oh, my the Nationals here. Dodgers, I can't remember. Um, but then the uh, um, 2019 and 20, they were stale. And when you look at who we traded off, um, We'll start at first base Rizzo. Rizzo's still a decent player, but he is really benefiting from playing in New York. If he wasn't yes. playing in New York, his numbers would be terrible because I, that right field porch, it, it, it's a joke. It's not it really is. Yeah. Um, shortstop Addison Russell, uh, spousal abuse, uh, get him out of the league, piece of trash. Um, and I think he failed out of the Korean Baseball League last I heard. Oh, really? Oh yeah, there's 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 not much. Javi Baez was trending down. Javi had that great year. I think it was 2018 where he finished second in MVP. He was 17 or 18. He finished second in MVP. Um, the man alive. He is so easy to pitch to. Uh, you just don't throw the ball with the plate. He's going to swing at it. Um, great fielder. Yeah. Um, great baseball instincts. Um, but I. I really got to the point where there was so much frustration because he could not, he could not drive in a run in scoring position. And he did no concept of maybe if I just put the ball in play, something will happen. Now, early in his career, he would do, he was one of the best I had ever seen at doing that safety squeeze runner at third. Um, the runner doesn't take off like a suicide squeeze. You wait for the, uh, the bunt to be late Javi, Javi's a great bunter, but once he became the magician, Javi, yeah, he 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 quit doing that, and I, I saw so many runners left in scoring position. Third base, uh, Bryant can't stay healthy, oh. and that's, you know, it's just a shame, but he cannot stay healthy, so I didn't have a problem with that. Um, Arietta, when he left and signed with the Phillies, yeah, he was trending downward. So, yeah, you, you saw that core yeah. of great players, and you, 
you could see that they were they were kind of kind of trending downwards. So I think that the trades happened at the right time and they brought us a lot of of great young talent. And so looking back, hindsight 2020, it was the right move, but at the time I still thought it was the right move. Mm-hmm. Um and you know there there's some things I don't like about Jed Hoyer, like how did you construct a a uh, roster opening day without a right fielder on it? And we had Trey Mancini and Miles Mastroboni in right field. And, you know, there's some things that I don't like about Jed Hoyer, the way he constructs a roster that I don't get. I don't know why you have Edwin Rios on the team for a month and he bats 12 times. You know, what's the purpose in that? Um but the trades uh, were spot on and I'm happy with where they're at. Yeah. If they had kept those guys, you guys would be hurting right now and there'd be no stale team. Yeah. And the future would be further away of having a playoff chance. Yeah. So that, that did. Now I didn't know at the time I was, it shocked me as a Cardinal fan. Like what are the Cubs doing? Look at uh, Bryant. Cause Bryant, those three years destroyed us. Rizzo. But you're right. Those were kind of like it was a magic time, and that was the best years right there, you know. Yeah. So uh, the Cubs did uh, uh, select with the first pick in the first round, not the first pick, the first round of the draft. I think they picked 13. They picked up Mike Shaw, um, infielder from Maryland. Um, he grades out well. Um, I think they're probably going the way the way I heard a scout, and he said that. Whichever position the Cubs decide to put him at, he should work out. He's athletic and he's a hard worker. So if they're wanting to make him into a third baseman, that's a possibility. A middle infielder, first baseman. He's just that kind of player who who they feel like is going to, the glove's going to catch up no matter where they put it because of his work ethic. Uh, the power is really good in college baseball he plays in the big 10 which is not a great college baseball conference but he does play in the big 10 the power is good there but they're projecting that he's probably not going to be that 30 home run guy or you know uh 20 25 home run guy so that's our first round pick well the cardinals uh we didn't have a second round pick but we had three we in the in the seven rounds we took three pitchers and three out uh three outfielders and our first pick was a kid named Chase Davis, who the Cardinals were thinking about drafting three years ago in that same draft with Tinkins, Win, the shortstop, and Jordan Walker. And so we got him three years later, and he's really advancing. He was he played at Arizona, the University of Arizona, uh, 43 walks and 40 Ks this year. He's really got good back control, and he's got a lot of power. Of course, in college, they use aluminum bats. So we'll, we'll see in the big league, but he hit – a uh in 57 games he had 74 rbis and hit a cool 362 now that's in college but sounds pretty good to me and the future could be bright for this kid we took two right handers and a left hander as far as pitchers go and uh we'll see you know you take a kid a a chance on a kid a high school kid or a college kid you just never know and uh so maybe we'll see him up here in the big leagues here in about two or three seasons comes a time in every man's life when he needs some advice on relationships. 
you need to listen to the podcast DMDR, which stands for Dating, Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage, from my good friend, Jeremy Connor, the Dr. Phil of the Boot Hill. You can find DMDR on Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. We are going to, being it's All-Star Week, we're going to talk about our five uh, most memorable All-Star games. And I, uh, my first one is, is so you've probably heard it before. I'm sure I've said it here, but you know, it got me into baseball. But anyway, uh, JJ, you want to go first? And you well, switch sure. Yeah, we'll switch off. Well, I'm going to go fit my fifth one is a very personal one for me. And Vince, I got a feeling what, with the hint you gave, it's the same game. Uh, I was a, about a fourth grader and uh, I was watching the All-Star game at my grandfather's house in Arkansas. And one of my favorite moments in the All-Star game is when all the players come out, then they name the starters. Well, back then, and I don't know if they do this anymore, they used to have an honorary captain. And when the, when they named the Cardinal players, I would get so excited. Hey, all right, there's, uh, you know, there's Kenny Reitz. Yeah, Lou Brock. Kenny Richards. Kenny <laughs> Richards is our, he's our guy, man. He's our guy. It's like your brother or sister or mom or dad doing something great. You're, you're proud as family. Well, the honorary captain, now remember, I'm in fourth grade and I live in our, and I was in Arkansas, but uh, the honorary captain for the American League was Mickey Mantle and the honorary captain for the National League was Stan Musial. And so I, my grandpa and me would listen to the games every night and I'd say, grandpa, who's Stan Musical? I called him Stan Musical. And he goes, oh no, hey, little John, that's Stan Musial. And that night, <laughs> I know, hey. I'm barely literate. All right. I'm barely literate. That's so cute. <laughs> it's cute. And my and so that night, me and my grandfather watched the All-Star game, but we talked stand usual all night long. And I so cherished that night. It was such a good time. And from that minute on, I was a stand musical fan right there. So that was 1975. Yeah, he could play take me out to the ball game. That's right. And um Anyway, so that's my number five, the 1975 All-Star Game with Stan Musial as the honorary captain right there. Well, that's mine, too, uh, for for different reasons. The game was in Milwaukee, and uh, I I did not know this until I did my research. Uh, this was the last year that they only played the Star Spangled Banner and not O Canada. Oh. And Glenn Campbell was the last uh to just sing the Star Spangled Banner without O Canada at the uh, All-Star Game. Uh, cards were represented that year by Brock, who was a starter, and Reggie Smith, who uh, should have played longer with the Cardinals. Cards were represented by Bill Madlock. And this game was so special to me because I didn't watch baseball. Also, I knew I was a Cub fan. My dad was a baseball nut, but I grew up, you know, from the time I was three, I, was, I lived with my mom. And uh, I had the game on. I, I don't know why he turned it on. And probably because there was a different vibe. You know, if I flipped on and there was a game, you know, regular season game, you don't hear all the crowd and everything. Yeah, so I, I, it was probably the buzz that got me. And my mom came in and my mom said, you know what you're watching? A baseball game? She said, you're watching the All-Star game. That's when all the best players from all the best teams get together and they play a game. Well, I, the only thing I knew was I, I was born a Cub fan, uh, but I didn't know anything about baseball. And uh, Bill Madlock came up with the bases loaded in the top of the ninth inning, and he single drove in two runs to break a 3-3 deadlock. 
And Bill Madlock was co-MVP with John Matlack, who got the win, uh, who pitched for the Mets. And at that point, I was a baseball fan. I, to go along with being a cut fan, I was a baseball fan. And Bill Madlock was my first favorite baseball player. Bill Madlock. Oh, wow. The Mad Dog. He was great. Oh, yeah. Well, the second, the, the number four for me, counting up to number one as we're going, as this was uh, probably, I was probably first or second grade, and I played Little League, but I didn't know much about pro ball. And that night, they kept showing this play over and over. This is 1970, and this was an extra inning game. The National League won five to four, and this was the game where, um, <laughs> well, first of all, the, the president was uh, Richard Nixon, and he threw out the first pitch. Tricky, tricky Dicky threw out the first pitch, and in extra innings, this was the game. Now, I didn't watch the game. I didn't know there was an all-star game, but on the news, and I've seen this replay a hundred times, it's the play that won the game where Ray Fossey's blocking the plate and Pete Rose comes flying in like Superman. He's got his arms out and he runs over Ray Fossey and causing a shoulder injury. And Ray Fossey, who was an all-star, was never the same after that. And um, back then, it just seemed like a different style of ball. It was tough. People took people out at second base. If the catcher doesn't give a lane or anything, and they weren't supposed to, they were trained not to block that plate. Pete Rose just ran him over. And this was an exhibition game. And that's the way Pete Rose played. He played like a crazy man. So I remember that Pete Rose play. It's still probably one of the 10 plays I remember in all of baseball was that Pete Rose play. And he's jumping up. And Ray Fossey's in a pile over here on the side. He's jumping up and the game's over. But later we found out Ray Fossey was never going to be the same. And Pete Rose just went on to be, well, for better or worse, a lot of good memories, a lot of bad memories right there. But 1970 All-Star Game, that's my second one. Yeah, after that play, uh, that's when Johnny Bench decided he was going to try a new thing. He was going to try a sweep tag, stand in front of the line and sweep. Uh, because, yeah, why would I block the plate if I can just tag them like a regular base runner and keep myself healthy? And um, I, I remember growing up, Bench never blocked the plate. He always did the sweep tag and, you know, kind of got criticized not being manly enough. But now, you know, well, we really I think of that Buster Posey, which the rules called the Buster Posey rule. He just they took a year of his career away and he got destroyed at home plate, broke his leg. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um I'm not going in any particular order anymore. The first one was was always my standout. Yeah. My second one may be one that you're going to talk about, um, the 1979 All-Star Game. You got that one? I got that one. All right. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about the 79 All-Star Game. It was uh, in Seattle in the Kingdome, which was a terrible place for baseball. But it was the uh, – remember – because uh, Dave Parker threw, had two assists, one at third base and one at home, and these were absolute missiles. Um, and those two plays won Parker the MVP of the game, which was very weird because uh, Lee Mazzilli, who was an outfielder for the Mets playing in his only all-star game, uh, he hit a pinch hit home run off of Jim Kern in the eighth inning uh, to, to, put, to, to tie the score, yeah. And... For those of you who do not know who Jim Kern was, uh, Jim Kern was uh, a fireballing flake. He could throw the ball a million miles an hour, but he was 
he was out there. He was he was one of my favorites. One year for the Rangers, I think they pitched him like 140 innings in relief and blew his arm out. But anyway, so uh, Lee Mazzilli hit hit an opposite field home run to tie the game in the eighth off Jim Kern, and then in the ninth with the bases loaded, he's facing Ron Guidry. And Ron Guidry is just coming off that 78 season that was so good. He was still really good. And with the bases loaded, Mazzilli coaxed a walk and nationally uh, scored the winning run. American League uh, uh, Suter came in for the Cubs and and nailed it down, and Suter got the win. But after the game, you know, I thought Mazzilli would be the MVP uh, based upon the home run and walking in the winning run, but they actually gave it to Parker for the uh, two outfield assists. Uh, in that game, the Cardinals were represented by Ted Simmons, Keith Hernandez, Gary Templeton, and Lou Brock. And the Cubs were represented by Bruce Suter and Dave King Kong Kingman. Suter got the win. So what, what were your mer- memories of that 79 All-Star game? Well, you know, time makes your mind wonder, but I'll never forget. It was Dave Parker. I have never seen anyone throw a ball and have that kind of velocity on it. And it was on the money. To play at third base, um, at third base, he got uh, Jim Rice. He nailed Jim Rice, who was probably just average speed, but still yet he nailed that one. And then later, the play at the plate was Brian Downing, who probably against anybody else would have been safe. But those throws he made, and he was in those uh, great 1979 Pirates uniforms, which is one of my all-time favorites. And that ball was just a laser. There was no arch to the ball. It was a laser right in there. Boom, right on the bag, out. Um, I'll be honest with you. I forgot. I remember there was a lot of offense in that game. It was 7-6 to six National League, I believe. So there was a lot of offense in that game. But it was Dave Parker. That's what I remember of that, just distinctly. All him. And I also remember, because I'm weird, the Mariners' lone representative was a guy named Bruce Bakhti, who was a bench player his whole life. And he, the Mariners were an expansion team. I think they were in their second or third year of existence. And he was their lone representative. And he came up the bat, got this huge hand. He was having a good year, good half year. I don't think he finished strong. And he got the most stereotypical AstroTurf hit. Just banged the ball straight into the turf. Up it went. He got a single. The crowd went crazy. <laughs> they got something to hang your hat on. There, there you go. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, my, my third one, this one was before I was born, but it's in St. Louis lore here. And when you go back and watch these, old, you can go on YouTube and watch a lot of the complete all-star games, which I love to do. But as far as Cardinals go, 1955, all right. And the National League won six to five, and it was an extra innings that it went at 12 innings. And that's kind of important. But some of the players in that game, uh, Hank Aaron, uh, Willie Mays, the American League. Huh? Who are they? No, who are, yeah. Who are those guys? But as you know, looking back now, you know, probably if you lived in 1955, you're going, oh, there's one, there's a brave, there's a giant, you know. But, oh, yeah. You, all those years later, you're like, oh my God, it's Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. Well, the American League jumped out five to nothing. The National League in the seventh inning, eighth and ninth, came back and it was five to five, goes to extra innings. And this is in St. Louis lore in the 12th inning. Stan Musial comes to bat and Yogi Bear is the catcher, and born in St. Louis. And he says, all right, let's get this over with. And 
Yogi said, good, I'm tired. Because I guess he caught most of the game. And Stan hits the home run to win. He's running around celebrating. All the guys are home. And if you just look at that old footage, so many Hall of Famers and so many great players. And um, that kind of – Stan was already on the – he was already the man. But yeah. that really is just another layer, icing on the cake kind of thing for – for Stan. So that was 1955. Did you get a chance? Watch that all-star game. Sorry, I'm trying to swat a fly. I seen that. I was going to say, you sw- you're swinging like Stan. Heck out of it. And I thought a while ago you were going to say Jim Kern, lead singer of Simple Minds. I thought that's who that was. Alive <laughs> and kicking. Oh, um, my next all-star game is the 1985 Major League All-Star Game, or as I call it, the Dick Williams Show. Uh, Dick Williams was the manager of the San Diego Padres who had went to the World Series the year before. And their big acquisition in the offseason was a pitcher, uh, right-hander. They picked up from the White Sox who'd won a uh, uh, Cy Young the year before named Lamar Hoyt. Um, And Hoyt Hoyt was a good pitcher. Um, Before the game, Hoyt was 12-4. and good record at the all-star break yeah Joaquin Andujar had 17 wins at the all-star break so everybody's thinking Joaquin is going to be the starting pitcher this series before the all-star game Dick Williams says because Hoyt's pitching against Andujar he said yeah whoever wins this game is going to be the starter for the all-star game completely got in Andujar's head and Andujar got pissed he lost um, he went from 17 and three to 17 and four. And after the game, uh, and or before the game, Andujar would, had a rant saying that he is not going to the All Star game. No, and oh, I am not going. And uh, I read Dick Williams' book uh, about 20 years ago. Dick Williams passed away. Dick Williams was uh, a great manager. He won the World Series with the uh, Red Sox. With the not not with it, Oakland. Maybe? Yeah, with, with Oakland. He went to the World Series with the Red Sox, took them to the World Series. They lost to the Cardinals and with Oakland. Um, he had some good years in Montreal, and then he took the Padres to, to the World Series, and I, I think he finished in Seattle. Uh, but Dick Williams was, was quite a gamesman uh, when it came to the mental side of baseball, and he really did get Andujar's head. And that's what I remember most. And to vindicate everything, the National League won 6-1. to The winning pitcher... And the MVP of the All-Star game was Lamar Hoyt. And uh, the losing pitcher was Jack Morris. Um, and the Cardinals that year were represented by her and Ozzy, who were both starters. Andy Hart, who stayed home, uh, Jack Clark, and Willie McGee. So they were very well represented. The Lone Cub representative, and this is the year after they went to the playoffs, was Ryan Sanford. Uh, Rhino. Rhino. Well, my second one, we talked about the 79 World uh, All-Star Game with the, the, the Dave Parker and all that. But the only other thing I have to say about that game was, um, you know, looking back in time, that, that was the year the Pirates uh, won the World Series in 79. Yes. The, we, the We Are Family uh, World Series with Stargell and Parker and uh, Candelaria and Tocolvi, all those great players. So um, the Pirates were very well representative. Like this year, the Braves and the Rangers have a ton of players on the on the team. Did you see that meme? It was a 
hey, does anybody know what time the uh, Rangers versus the Braves starts tonight? <laughs> no, I didn't. That is great. Whoever came up with that, man, kudos to you. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, years go by. Usually, if you have a good year, you got a lot of players on there. Sometimes a guy who's had a great career, and maybe there's a young guy that probably should start. You know, I remember Mike Schmidt beat a lot of guys out because there were some guys that kind of had good years too, but Schmidt was so popular and so what a great career. He usually got the third base nod when he played. Uh, Johnny Bench, I thought there was a few years Ted, of course, I'm a Cardinal fan. I'm looking through Cardinal glasses. I thought there was a couple years maybe Ted Simmons could have got the start. And it was usually always Johnny Bench, you know, so anyway. But uh, that's my number two was the 79, which we talked about a while ago. Well, my next team, my next game is the 1989 All-Star Game uh, that was held in Anaheim. Do you got that one, too? That's my number one, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let you go ahead and do that one, and then I will I will uh, bounce off of you, uh, sure. whatever you want to say. So I, I will skip to the uh, 2008 Major League All-Star Game. Did you get that one? No. No, I didn't okay. get that one. Uh, the game was played in Yankee Stadium. And uh, the American League won five to three or four to three in 15 innings. And this gave the home field advantage to the American League. And that year it was the Tampa Bay. I think they were still called the Devil Rays at that time. Made it to the World Series for the first time. Um, it tied the mark for the most innings played with 15. I think there was a game in the 60s that Tony Perez had a home run in the bottom of the 16th to win it, walk off. Um, and uh, in this game, uh, Dan Ugla of the Florida Marlins committed three errors in the game. Oh, what, what a terrible, about that. what a terrible thing to happen when you're on that kind of a stage. Um, and uh, the MVP was JD Drew, former Cardinal JD Drew. Uh, he hit, he had a home run in the seventh to tie the game. Um, but what I really remember about this was a few years prior to this. Uh, the game ended in a tie because they ran out of pitchers in extra innings. And Bud Selig's like, well, I don't know what to do, you know? So they ended it tied. Then they had the deal for, I don't know, 10 years where it really matters because whoever wins this is going to have home field advantage. This is an exhibition game. There should be nothing on the line like that. I agree. Um, so what I, what I was fascinated by this was, are they going to run out of pitchers again, which they did not. They finished the game because they've started managing this game a little bit smarter. We're not going to throw every guy out there for a third of an inning or whatever, you know, just to get everybody out there. We, we need to save some arms in cases thus going to extra innings. So I remember watching it thinking, oh, please don't be a tie. Please don't be a tie. Please don't be a tie. But the Cardinals represented uh, were Pujols, who was a starter, a designated hitter. This was before the National League had the designated hitter, of course. So he was put in as a starter for the designated hitter, was not voted starting first baseman. Uh, that was Ryan Howard. Um, do you know who the other all-star was in 2008 for the Cardinals? Had one great year, blast from the past. Oh, one great year. Oh, uh, Grychuk? Nope, it nope. was Ryan Ludwig. Oh, I was close. They were kind of the same guy, uh, I think. Yeah. yeah. This is who the Cubs were represented by. Uh, 
Giovanni Soto was a starting catcher. He was had some good years. Yeah, Kasuke Fukudome was a starting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Chicago nightlife, and he's back in Japan within a few years. Alonzo <laughs> Soriano was a starter. Oh, I forgot he even was a Cub. We had Ryan Dempster on that All Star team. We had oh, Carlos Marmol, who had the nastiest stuff. I've still ever seen in baseball. And I've probably said it on here, but the uh, late um, oh, uh, uh, Chris Duncan tells a story that he's batting against Carlos Marmol and he throws that slider. Uh, 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 God, why is his name escaping me now? To Chris Duncan? Yeah, Duncan. Yeah. Duncan swings at the slider and it hits him in the junk. Oh. <laughs> it's a strike. I mean, that's insult injury. And it's a strike. Oh. Yeah, he swung at it. So oh that oh yeah, that's true. So just oh. it, but he just couldn't control it. Man, he had some he had some nasty stuff. We also had Curry Wood on that team. We also had Carlos Sambrano on that team, and we also had Aramis Ramirez on that team. We had eight Cubs that year. Uh, we had made the playoffs in 07, and in 08, we probably should have went to the World Series, but, you know, we, we were choked. Um, but, yeah, we had we had a lot of uh, good players on that team, and we were well represented in the All-Star game, went all the innings, and, and thank God I didn't have to worry about running out of pitchers. So. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know about you, Vince, but I like it being an exhibition game. And, you know, as a manager, this might be this player's only all-star game or this team only has one representative and you want to get them out there, give them an experience, man, this might be it for you. And uh, then on top of it, you're trying to win it. And then you got to, you know, and, and the World Series uh, home field advantage could be in the, in the swing. So I, I like it just being an exhibition game. Let the fans enjoy it. I say if it ends in nine innings, it's a tie. It's a tie. You know, just, you know, it's just fun to see all these. But, and, but it, it does give kind of a black eye to baseball, though. Like, I don't want the All-Star game to become like the Pro Bowl, you know, where it's – I don't even know if they play a game anymore. I think they just do an exhibition. They don't even I play don't. defense. Yeah. The, uh, baseball, they get to wear their own uniforms. But one of the questions they always ask the players is like, who are you looking forward to playing against or meeting on the other team? Well, now with the schedule the way it is, you see all these guys now. So that's yeah. it's not it's not quite to me, it's not quite as special as it once was because you play everybody now. So before it was kind of cool. Ooh, a DH this year. Oh, uh, there's a Ranger going against the Cub. Let's see what happens, that kind of thing. So anyway, well, my last all-star game, number one in my book was the 1989. And, and some of it has to do with my life then. I was in the I was in the Navy then, and this is the Bo Jackson game where, uh, you know, baseball was a big uh, speed game. There was power guys, but Bo Jackson, I had never seen anybody like him. A guy that big and strong and that fast. Uh, he was in the all-star game. Bo Jackson, when he would tag up on a sacrifice fly i never seen one catcher try to block the plate they oh. mike, uh, no mike Sosha just doo, doo, doo. he took a couple of steps over and both there he, i'll swipe tag you like you said johnny bench but i ain't blocking you 
and and Bo came, came in like a Bosworth. He would have been like Bosworth, just gonna run over. But anyway, Bo Jackson in that game. He starts off the game. It's in Anaheim, California, and the first inning he hit a 448 foot home run off of uh, ex Cub Rick Rushel. Yeah, yeah, and I love Rushel because Rushel, you know, he wasn't a a, a a a specimen. You know, he wasn't like he's like me. He's got a he's got a gut. He's a great pitcher, and he loves the game. So I always identify with the guys that are little Bartolo Colon and Roger Freed, all these kind of guys. But getting back to Bo, he also made a play in the alley. There was a ball that probably would have been a hit most of the time, and Bo came flying out of nowhere and caught that ball. Um, he stole a base, uh, and he was the MVP of that World Series, and the American League won 5-3, to three, and everybody knew Bo Jackson from that point on, and I think his career was only like maybe five years long before he got hurt, and he tried to stay in baseball after he got the hip replacement, but it was never quite the same. So what, what do you think about that All-Star game, Vince? What I remember... I remember well because I lived in Kansas City at the time. And I remember oh. Wade Boggs led off the game with a home run against Russell. And then Jackson was batting second. And, of course, Wade Boggs probably went about 380 feet, you know, whatever, you know, maybe shorter than that. And then Bo just creamed one just way out there. And the first inning, Ronald Reagan was in the booth with Vin Scully. And so that was kind of something that stubborn. Yeah, Ronald Reagan's doing because he he did Cub games at one time. So that was that was pretty cool uh, to hear Ronald Reagan call a Bo Jackson home run. Um, what uh, other things that I I remember about it? <laughs> you're gonna tangle when this thing is over, plot. <laughs> so anyway. Um, the other thing I remember is that Mike Schmidt was voted to start, but he retired like at the end of May. Oh, but he enough, yeah, he saw enough votes to start and, you know, leading on to is, is he going to start? He, he kind of squashed us. No, I will go. I'll be on the field when they introduce, but I'm not going to start. So Howard Johnson from the Mets uh, was a starter. Um, so that was that was pretty cool that, you know, Schmidt. You know, could have said, oh, yeah, I get it. but uh, I'll go for the festivities. But, you know, I'm retired. And at that time, Howard Johnson probably was the second best third baseman in the National League. So that was pretty cool. He had a, he had a couple years where he was really good. Um, the Cardinals represented in that all-star game where uh, Ozzy was starting. Uh, another blast from the past, Tony Pena uh, was oh, on the bench, as was uh, Vince Coleman. And uh, for the Cubs, uh, we were represented by Brian Sandberg starting. We had Sutcliffe, Mitch Williams, and Andre Dawson on that team. So that was my most memorable all-star game because living in Kansas City um, and the Royals have always been my American League team. That was really cool to see uh, a Royal, you know, make that kind of an impact. And in my lifetime, there's been Cubs that have had good all-star games, but none have just I Bo Jackson just impacted that game. Yeah. And when when they took him out, like in the fifth or sixth inning, there was no reason to watch more. It was like, oh man, the rest of the guys are in there, whatever. Did he did he electrify Kansas City? It was like everybody Bo Jackson crazy out there then? Yes. It was it was a phenomenon. It was um 
I honestly, the only thing I can compare it to was Kurt Warner's first year in St. Louis. Crazy. Um, it was, it, the, the bad thing was the Royals were not a great team. If they would have been a great team, would have been an even much better story. But man, there was Bo Jackson shirts everywhere. And there were people at baseball games who probably never wanted to go to a baseball game in their life. But they wanted to see this, this, this specimen go out there and play baseball. And I, uh, what was I watching? I don't remember what I was watching. I watch a lot of stuff, but, um, Buck O'Neill said that there are three were three players in his life that he saw hit the ball that it sounded like a stick of dynamite. Babe Ruth, Josh Gibson, and Bo Jackson. Shows you how I wanted. That's Buck high o regard right there. And I I the the game that he he threw the ball from the outfield wall in Seattle and uh, nailed Harold Reynolds and the ball didn't bounce at all. It it looked like it looked like a cartoon. It looked like a video game. I, I it was like a human being can't do that. And I've not seen a human being make that long a throw since. Um he could do everything. Field, run up, run up that wall. Remember the play he yeah, ran? Up the, wall. Up the wall. Yeah. I, nobody broke a bat like Bo. If he wanted to break it over his thigh, he'd break it over his side. If he wanted to break it over his head, he'd break it over his head. Bo was just, he was cool. Nobody's messing with Bo. All right. It's the time of the show where we open baseball cards. And I don't have baseball cards because we're recording a day early and I don't have my baseball, my new baseball cards in yet. So I'm not going to be opening up baseball cards. But JJ, why don't you tell them what this video is about? Because this was so cool when you sent it to me. Well, thank you. I go about once a month and I go to a card show or I go to like a baseball memorabilia show. And every year, every month at Orlando Gardens on Rivas Barracks Road, they have a show and they bring in blue, old blue hockey players, ex-baseball players. That might, it could be from any team, uh, football players. I went up there and met uh, Gary Templeton and... Uh, Oh, Don Dinkinger's been up there at umpire. They've had a lot of blues, and it's a great time. And as you see when we show the video, uh, it's only $3 to get in. And you can just go and talk. You can look at a lot of – a lot of people have a lot of vintage cards from as far back as 1926. These are uh, – they've been graded. Uh, a lot of people have memorabilia. There's people that come in from out of town. There's a lot of people that go to the Memphis games and bring a lot of Memphis stuff up or Springfield or Iowa. Uh, a lot of Cub fans are there as well. Uh, some And it's different people, different months. Some, some people are just boxing. They had a whole exhibit of just boxing things. I saw one of the coolest things. It was the picture of um, Ali standing like this with, uh, I think it was Frazier down. And they had a glove signed by Muhammad Ali and another glove in this shadow case uh, signed by Frazier. Way out of my price range, but it was it was just neat to, to see that. And uh, you'd be surprised. You go through there and like, I didn't even know this existed. And um, a, a guy who used to be, or who was on this podcast one time, Tony Pruno, who's got the greatest baseball room known to man, he goes up there with me a lot. And we just talk. We talk history. 
So I recommend y'all going up there. It's once a month. You can go online, Orlando Gardens. I try to go up there, at, and then there's other shows that are just baseball cards, but this is more memorabilia, uniforms, uh, autographs. I recommend if you do get an autograph, make sure it's authenticated because there is a lot of fraud at some of these shows all over where people are just signing balls and saying, oh, this is a George Brett ball. And if it's not authenticated, I wouldn't even touch it because you don't know for sure. Or you can, uh, when the players were there, this time it was Gene Roof. And a lot of people don't remember Gene Roof. He played three years with the Cardinals and one year with the Expos. He was signing. And each type of item's a different price. Uh, a card might be $15 or an 8 by 10 which they sell there is a certain price. And I know September, Gene Tennis is going to be there. And I'm definitely going to be there for Gene Tennis. But my wife kind of limits me to about one every two months because I kind of go crazy. I have a, little, a budget and I usually take it right to the limit. So uh, I'm going to, uh, can I show a couple items first that I got and and sure. and let everybody know? First of all, there's this old uh, Vietnam vet guy I absolutely love. He's got unusual things. And I bought a picture from him for $3. This was just $3. I'd never seen it before. And this is uh, Dizzy and Paul Dean in uniform signing autographs for a bunch of uh, little leaguers. And this is probably like 1937, I would say. Is that not cool? I yeah. absolutely love that picture. They got a whole stack of uh, baseballs there, and they're signing them and giving them to the kids. I never seen that picture before. It was only three dollars. I've got display cases with my bobbleheads and my autographs and all this kind of stuff, and I'm going to put that in there. It's not autographed or anything, but I just think that black and white picture is a Americana and baseball, a great baseball. And I've always been kind of partial to the Dean boys because they're from Arkansas, and I'm from Arkansas, so that's. Kind of one thing there. This was thrown in a deal. And another thing, if it's got a price tag on it, you can go up there and say, eh, would you take 25 for that? You know, and you can wheel and deal. This was, I was looking at this and the guy goes, JJ, since you bought that, I'll throw this in. It's just a piggy bank. It's like a beer can of red shavings with the statistics on it. It's a little piggy bank. It's got statistics on it and everything. I hadn't seen anything like that. So I got that. He just threw it in the deal. So I got the red shandings, little yeah. piggy piggy bank. My wife now knows what she's getting for Christmas. <laughs> All right. I didn't know this. The Cardinals have, in 2001, it was their first bobblehead day, and they only had one. It was a Mark McGuire in 2001. They're so popular now. It's almost like Beanie Babies. People are just buying them up and jacking up the price. But you can find good, and you find good deals there. I recommend you walk completely around the place. And kind of write down what you're looking for because you might see something for 15 over here and over there it's 50. So kind of just, and then you can negotiate or you bring things and trade them. A lot of people like to trade, but I did not know the St. Louis Cardinal Hall of Fame. If you become a member for $85, they have two bobblehead days where you go up there and every member that's a member of the Cardinal Hall of Fame uh, Museum gets a bobblehead. And they had a Bob Forsh who, when I was a kid, he was like the ace of the team and you can see it's got the uh cardinal hall of fame museum and so there's two bobbleheads a year there which i did not know and the car the ones they give away at the ballpark have a certain look to them that's the only ones i collect the ones the cardinals give out but there's old bob forsh he's even got the blonde eyebrows the 31 forsh i was always a fan of him i have a few autographs of his and vince the one thing i spent a lot of money on and tony pruno he wanted this too so Tony Pruno, when you're watching this, eat your heart out. 
I got this is the holy grail of bobbleheads. Okay, it was a uh, Gateway Grizzly game. They have a uh, Samuel's Brown Day. There's only ten thousand of each of these bobbleheads, and they go quick. And this is the one everybody wanted. But I got the George Sisler bobblehead. It's got the STL on the thing. It's him at first base, leaning out there making the catch. Very cool. And it's even got the first base bag right there. So uh, this is the one that's hard. It's very hard to find, and I got it. And uh, I'm not going to mention how much I got for I paid for it, but I did get it. There's clothes there. There's game used items. I've seen some Yadier Molina game used shin guards, way out of my price range, but it's pretty cool. I got to hold them and look at them. I'm I'm a nerd like that. And anything the Cardinals, uh, the giveaways. If you go there, somebody's probably going to be selling it. I got a uh, a uh, this is the Grateful Dead giveaway where it's got the oh, little bear. Cool. The, yeah, and it's got the cardinal. It's like three bears and a cardinal, three bears and a cardinal, and and I got so I got the shirt. I'll be I'll be going to church on style this week. Is and, that uh, black or blue? Well, let's look at that. It's a dark blue, dark blue. I know somewhere it's got to have a touch of gray on it. Oh, very good. Very good. How about that? Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And the last thing I got. Who spent money to hear me do jokes like that. <laughs> that was good. I didn't, and I didn't even see it coming. So you got these guys from Springfield. Evidently down in Springfield when Jordan Walker was there. I seen some guys with this shirt on. I said, man, I want that. There's a there's a little piece of thing on here where you can't see it, but it's a Jordan Walker Springfield Cardinal shirt that they oh. it was a it was a giveaway down there, and I thought, hey, I'll be the only kid in the neighborhood with a Jordan Walker Springfield shirt, which is cool. And then, like I said, the last thing I'm going to show because I get crazy with this stuff is um, the players so much don't sign cards anymore because they have deals with all these card companies, and there might be 500, you know. Uh, 500 the young cards scattered in these packs all over the country so these dealers might talk to the people in detroit and trade them the detroit ones for the cardinal ones so they're down here and they can sell them uh i got and so since they don't sign anymore this is a factory and it's authenticated but i got the tink hints who i'm big on and that's a tink hints uh i believe that's a ball right there that he's on there and he's supposed to be up and coming and i do have to say a retraction last week i said he went through double a and he had his first start in memphis i was wrong i admit it he went through a ball and he had his first start in double a so he's still about two years away so i did i messed that up and the other one and it was cheap remember cards are sort of like the stock market if a player's down you can get a good deal and if a player's up the cards start shooting up but for five dollars i got a genesis Cabrera autograph right there so if you want to get a genesis cabrera the time is now because right now he's he's not doing so good so this is basically once a month this year this time there was like 500 people there uh it's it's a huge room the players sign on the side and there's just all these things and uh sometimes you have to come back around because so many people are in front of that person's table that you just have to go on and make your way around there was a st louis blues guy who had everything you could imagine from st louis blues that's pretty cool. All right, let's roll the film. Oh, I, got, I got his hat too, by the way. Got the hat. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, now let's roll the film. Roll that film. Well, here I am at uh, Orlando Gardens for the baseball card show. 
this is the building that they always have it in and as you can see the parking lot's full there's probably about 500 people in there and uh it's a good time had by all all right the car is short right now we're entering here Orlando gardens got a pretty good crowd right here Vince, check that out. These old signs. I absolutely love these old signs. What do you think, bud? Pretty good? All right. Look here. We got all kinds of stuff here, Vince. We got baseball cards, sleeves. That's just Larry Bird autographs right there. That's pretty fascinating. For all you bobblehead fans, look at that. Everything. They even have the Hall of Fame ones down here. That's just fantastic. Little, big, and small. Orlando Gardens. Once a month. It's pretty cool. Look at that bad boy. Look at that. I think I'm going to get that, Vince. Right there. And you know who's hooking us up? Our old buddy there, Phil Brooks, down there. Yeah, this is his area. We're going to put this on the podcast. Look at this. This is his empire here. All the way down here. My gosh. That's fantastic. You'd be so proud of me. I barely spent any money. I only bought a few little trinkets today. The Cardinal Umbrella. And uh, you'd be proud of me. We had a good time. All right, JJ, what are you opening? As I'm oh. opening. Yeah, okay. Well, a lot of people like these Alan Ginter cards. They're 2022. There's only six cards in a pack, and they make it look like old-timey pictures. Um, a lot of times they put people in there that, that was like somebody who invented the spikes on a baseball and stuff, or on the on the shoes. Um, okay, so here we go. I like the style. As you can see, it's old-school writing on the back. It's written out, all the statistics. And this is Buster Posey, 2022, right there. Buster, very good player. Three world championships. I like that card. Your Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think so too. I do. Right. Uh, a guy who got a big career ahead of him and made a big impact at the Home Run Derby. Um, Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. They signed him. Oh, that second round. You got to look that up. That was oh, that was magical. Magical. And in the, the crowd went crazy for him because he's at his own home park. Yeah, he hit. <laughs> He had 41 in the second round. It was like a machine. Oh, my God. So, was he dead for the third round then? Yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 I think he had 20 in the third round. He was just gassed. They signed him to a long-term contract. Yes, he's going to be there for a long time. Which is what I hope the Cardinals do with Jordan Walker. Sign him to a long-term contract. Well, here's a guy I respect, even though he's the Cincinnati Red, which I respect the Reds. But uh, just a great guy, Joey Votto. Right there, oh Joey Votto, future Hall of Famer. You know what? Do you think he for sure? Maybe, maybe. I I think one day he'll end up in Cooperstown. I don't think he's the first ballot. Um, one of the things that that hurts him is he took a lot of walks, and there there are voters who don't like their power hitters taking a lot of walks and expand the strike zone and drive in runs. That that may hurt him a little bit, but yeah, I. I think there for about a seven, eight year period, he was as good as 
you're going to find in the National League at first base. And you're right. Yeah, I I hated seeing him come up in his prime. Uh, Me too. And uh, I think with the older voters going away and the newer voters coming, I think on-base percentage is going to be a more regarded higher. So I'm with you on that. And I have uh, in-laws that are huge Reds fans, and that's been a talk for a long time with Joey Votto. And I always thought maybe Joey Votto would be like a Willie McGee and a Jim Edmonds and kind of a bubble guy. But you're right. He's played a long time, and he could have left Cincinnati. And even in the lean years, he decided, I'm staying here in Cincinnati. I respect that. I respect that. Well, the next one, uh, this is with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Kevin Gosman had a real good career, a uh, year with the Giants one year. I yeah. like him. Good. I wish the Cardinals had him on our rotation. Um, speaking, Vince, there is not an episode we don't have that you mentioned a player, and he comes back in this card segment. And 2020 ALCS MVP, Randy Rosarina. Do it, and he's doing the uh, arms across the chest move right there. Yeah, look at that right there. Uh, again, you, we we talked last week. Oh man, it's just almost like fate is rubbing it in our face that we let a Rosarina go. And I hope Tim Kent comes up and has a nice career, so it's not just a one of those like a Lou Brock trade or a, one of those trades or Steve Carlton. He might be like the Steve Carlton that got away. Now the 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 last card in this set, uh, they have miniature cards in this set, and they usually have a higher value because there's fewer of them. And the one I have that's worth quite a bit is the Hunter Green, and his Hunter Green career as he excels, the card is just skyrocketing because it's also his rookie card. Yeah, uh, but this card card here is uh, the Detroit Tide, uh, Tiger Meadows, and the writing is so small. I can't really read it, but it's Meadows, the outfielder from um, from Detroit. So it's a miniature card. As you can see, the, the regular cards are that size. So it's a little bit smaller. So, Vince, it's only six cards in a pack. I bought a whole box of those. So get used to it. The next few weeks, we're going to be doing the Alan Ginter cards. And it's got the old-timey guy on the front pack right there. Yeah, the, those little cards, um, they're the size of the baseball cards did not start off. They st- they started off as inserts in the cellophane of cigarettes. And so they were smaller. So you see the older cards that are smaller. And that's why the, uh, oh, uh, Honus Wagner cigarette card is worth so much because when he found out he had a card in cigarettes, he said, no, I don't believe in tobacco. Um, I don't think it actually exists. I think it's, <laughs> he did not endorse tobacco. He was a tobacco denier. Yeah, so there, that's why there's so few of those cards out. But yeah, that's that's what that simulates, and that's pretty cool. That is really cool. I like that they did that. It's a nice touch right there. Well, JJ, it's uh, it's All Star Game night. Um, I'm going to go up. I'm going to have uh, one of my wife's delicious, nutritious, uh, homemade sloppy joes, and oh. I'm not kidding. You've never had a sloppy joe like this. It is fantastic. Going to have a couple of those sloppy joes and sit my butt on the couch and watch some all-stars we have a contest and we have 10 people competing tonight eight i will say this they picked the, the who's going to win the mvp and the final score as tiebreakers eight of the 10 voted american league we have two national league 
And most of them picked either a Rosarina or Otani to be the MVP. We got a lot of Otanis and a lot of Rosarinas. But uh Steele's gonna be the MVP. Right there. You heard it here, <laughs> folks. Right there. Go out and buy a lottery ticket. There you go. All right. Well, JJ, I'll see you next week and enjoy the all-star game. And next week we will be at each other's throats again. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.